Hey there, we are now recording, and this is an episode about now Knights. Knights! Knights! With a K. It's a different approach, but yes, we're we're back. This is Knights Twenty One. Um, we're talk. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the last duel, the Ridley Scott film, uh, that arrived in theaters back at the beginning of this month or towards the beginning of this month, October fifteenth. I think just like a week and a half ago. Right in the middle of this month. It feels like it's so long ago because it's had so, unfortunately so little impact on the, on the box office. I'm like excited about. Like it's made eighteen point five million. That's more than I thought. I thought it was gonna be like three million, but yeah, I mean, it, okay. o- it it opened to five. I mean, but still, it's it's okay. it's, it's it's you know, it's a hundred million dollar movie that's that's making very little money. A Ridley Scott epic, no less. That's making very little money. Uh, but Aaron, bleh, I'm Aaron. Uh, <laughs> Abe and I are here uh, to discuss. Go ahead, to discuss, in third person <laughs> to discuss the uh, the last the the last duel because uh, who else will? Exactly. <laughs> where else are you going to get this content about movies that matter yeah well i mean i did want to like i wanted both of us to have a chance to talk about the last duel because it, it came out obviously in the middle of the month when there was you know other movies i mean that was the halloween kills week so it's like i, I obviously want to talk about halloween kills because horror is a big thing for us in october but i thought you know we have a ridley scott epic that came out this month as well so it's nice to like give some attention to it and because frankly i think it's really good so i didn't want to short shrift it by just talking about it in quickies um yeah exactly uh i will say this is perfect timing because we are recording this on the day that ridley scott's second movie of 2021 house of gucci released its newest trailer (laughs) so we really timed that one out well perfect tie-in nailed it nailed the timing but um Does does he work exclusively with universal hmm does Ridley Scott work exclusively with Universal? No, like ne- neither this movie nor House of Gucci are Universal movies. What am I thinking of then? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, he's a, he's a pretty he's gone. He goes all over the place. Okay. Like all the money in the world was Sony. The Alien movies are all Fox, obviously. Martians uh, Fox, Exodus is there's a lot of Fox actually. Counselors Fox, Robin Hood is Universal. Body of Lies is Warner Brothers. American Gangsters Universal. A Good Year is I think Warner. Brothers again, King of Heaven's Fox, Mashed Expense, Warner Brothers, Black Hawk Down, Sony, Gladiators, DreamWorks, Hannibal's Universal, G.I. <laughs> Jane is, I think, this Disney. Is pretty good. I, I didn't expect you to go this deep in the catalog. Lights Wall is, I think, Disney. Keep 14, going. 1492, the Columbus movie that doesn't exist. I think that's like. <laughs> That's like that's like Gamont films. It's like so like I don't even know what like distributor would like would have yeah. had that one. Uh, well, this one is 20th Century Studios, probably the one right before yeah. the merger. So. Oh, yeah. Well, this was like arranged before the merger, and it's obviously coming out. Uh, let's see. Who's the one of the least? The least I want to say is Fox again. No, it's MGM. That's right. That makes Ooh. sense. Which which is kind of Fox. Um, <laughs> I guess now it's Amazon. <laughs> They own everything. They own they own the bonds. They own the bond vault. Black Rains, Paramount. All right, so that's enough. Black that. Um, he's, he's got he's got, he's got all over the place. He's <laughs> great. Yeah. He doesn't stick with one studio. He's, like, he's no Nolan. Yeah, he's no he's no Nolan. <laughs> I did one Disney and I'm out of there. All Water Brothers for now on. <laughs> Until they cross the line. <laughs> and when I can make my magic sequel, then I'll go back Disney. <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about? The last duel. The most unspeakable charge has been brought against you. Jacques Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. I am telling the truth. The truth does not matter. There is only the power of men. This should be settled quietly. I'm innocent! I request a duel to the death. If you lose, your wife will suffer dire consequences. One of us has lied. Let us let God decide. So oh, we're talking about we're talking uh, about uh, Boston Boys. Exact Boston Boys, exactly. Briefly, here's the <laughs> there's a brief plot synopsis. In thirteen eighty six, Margaret uh, these last names, Marguerite de Courve claims to have been raped by her husband's best friend and squire, Jacques Legree. Her husband, Jean Decaru, challenges him to trial by combat, the last legally sanctioned duel in France's history. The events leading up to the duel are divided into three chapters, reflecting the perspectives of the three characters, respectively. We have, of course, Ridley Scott directing. 
we have starring Matt Damon, Adam Driver, Jodie Comer, and Ben Affleck. The screenplay is from Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, along with Nicole Center. It is based on, I mean, reality, but also based on um, the book, The Last Duel, A True Story of Trial by Combat in Medieval France by Eric Geiger. Yeah, um, I've already said that I like this movie, uh, and I'll just reiterate that fact now by saying once again, I like this movie quite a bit. I think Ridley Scott, when he's on, because he has a, not that he has like, truly terrible movies but there's points where he could be like super into it and just like crush it with his films he could just be like just do something just really well uh, from all angles uh, given the actors the caliber of actors he tends to work with the all the production aspects that go into what are large productions for him it, it's kind of crazy to think of Ridley Scott in the same light as you think of other you know prolific directors that have made so many movies that are you know generally you know think of like Woody Allen making a movie a year and it's like, you know, some five million dollar thing that he wrote. Really, Scott's like, yeah, I make movies all the time. And they're also like hundred to hundred fifty million dollar movies that are like <laughs> massive productions that went to multiple countries. And he's like, you know, like I actually had a flaming rock in Gladiator. Yeah. And he's 83 years old. I mean, like, yeah. it's, no, it's like no slowing down. No, no slouch. Exactly. But I, I all this all this is to say the last duel. This is him doing epic historical drama stuff and. I re- I tend to really like when he does that. Um, some some exceptions aside, uh, he he's very good at this kind of thing. And the Last Duel is one of his better efforts in this area. I think it's pretty fantastic all around. I think the performances are fantastic. I think the way the story is designed is both ingenious and really well done. Uh, and the movie's fucking brutal. <laughs> it's it's a, in more ways than one. But there's. Yeah, you know, for a guy that had an alien crawl out of John Hurt's chest, um, th- this movie has maybe one of the most violent <laughs> things I've ever seen in a fin in one of his films. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but did he have said, the idea to put a top hat on the alien and have it sing some show tunes? That that is no. what happened. Uh, <laughs> that was a deleted. You know, he he thought. Oh, oh there's a deleted scene. Oh. It was, well, no, it was a deleted idea. He like he he did because you know the 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 whole infamous thing is that he. That the 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 crew the cast didn't know what was gonna happen like they knew something was gonna happen but they didn't know exactly what was gonna happen uh and so obviously after he filmed that scene he got those reactions he completely scrapped his follow up idea to be like okay now that we did that out of the way we put a top hat on the yeah the, let me surprise know, him even further if they're not exactly scared. keep yeah. keep this going and he called his friend Mel and he's like hey I got an idea for your movie um spaceballs that wouldn't have no reason to be in your mind yet since it's 10 years more than more than 10 years earlier um, i've also got one word for you mel merchandising merchandising <laughs> that's yeah that's, like, oh, that's, let me write this down ridley thank you so much that was the thing too he had alien the flamethrower where tom Selleck was going to advertise <laughs> it and then he was like you know what this, 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 I don't think this is working as well as i wanted to it's really did you get cool. like a free mustache to put on too if you bought the the flamethrower you got a mustache and you get a Hawaiian shirt. That was the other thing. They really, they really went into the Tom Selleck Magnum the Alien merchandise. Oh boy, like you think it's just like you know, uh, really you know Todd McFarlane action figures of really well done sculptures for Xenomorphs. No, sir, it is um, flamethrowers and mustaches, uh, uh, cat uh, kitty litter pens that are designed to look like an egg from the alien. This this is one of our night shows where it's late and I've been up all day and driving back and forth and I'm tired. So I this makes it like more six fun. in the morning. <laughs> but, uh, Abe, uh, you know, before yes. we keep this going, what are your thoughts on the last duel? <laughs> uh, well, I thought Heath Ledger was great and I love the pop culture references in the movie. It was, it was yeah, very like well done. Golden Years plays. That's a fun song. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they're doing like, you know, we will rock you. It's, it's pretty incredible. Uh, no, everything you said is right. I mean, Ridley Scott, his last movie was All the Man in the World. Is yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. All the Man in the World. I mean, we've sort of had side discussions about Ridley Scott. I think that we're both on the same page of he. He's one of, like the greatest filmmakers ever, um, uh, and visionaries too. But I think that there were there were some hot and cold spots. Not as much as David Ayer, but this is a really. I mean, David, at this point of David Ayer, it's like there's <laughs> like this one hot spot and then everything else is and cold it, around it. It's, uh, yeah, it's literally the one where like it's the same concept, but he decides to make the characters good. Yeah. <laughs> OK, how about this? Crooked Cops in L.A., but we'll focus on Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena instead. <laughs> yeah, that is his best movie. But um, no, the, the last duel is 
it's everything that you said. I mean, I was I've, I've seen the trailers. I, I kind of know the story ish. Um, but when you sit down and watch this, you're like, well, how is he going to break this down? And he breaks it down into three chapters, explicitly saying, like, this is the point of view of of uh, Legree. And this is the point of view of of Carouge. And then this is the point of like Lady Carouge, Marguerite. And you're just like, well, you know, that seems very like sing songy, like very linear. And what's great about it is that it is linear, but there's subtle changes in every vignette of it. And that's what makes it very fascinating. You're just like, you know what? I can't remember who says this, but it's like some guy uh, who's just like what actors really want to do is just like put on funny costumes and and act weird. This is a perfect movie for all that stuff because you can become three different people all while playing the same character. Like Matt Damon, it's it's great to see like these vignettes of themselves and how they are playing out. But you know, you, you certainly pick up on oh, Matt Damon's like hamming it up in this one because he's the he he views himself as like the best guy, and then the other ones he's like this guy's a he's he's an oh, so so husband and whatever else. But I thought that this was a great acting movie, and. I think Jodie Comer brings a plus game. I've seen Jodie Comer in like half an episode of Killing Eve. And then I, I've seen her in Free Guy. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, like, does she have the range for this? Dude, she's got the range. She has like two terrible scenes that she has to be in. And I'm just like, whoa, bringing waterworks and, you know, really uh, making me feel terrible watching these things. Um, and to be fair, to Aaron's point, this is a movie set in its time. Like Ridley Scott is really good at these epics, like whether it be gladiator or something else, some large scale war thing. It's really gritty, like gritty, not in terms of like, Oh, dark, more just like there's a lot of dirt everywhere and people don't wash their faces because they just finished killing the other, the other uh, battle. Uh, but I, I thought that it was like really well done in a nuanced way for all the details but I also thought that it was well done in a way that was like I was really captivated by the story. I couldn't believe that this runtime was two and a half hours because the editing is really good. So there's a lot of great things that are running in this movie. And I bump and bummed out, obviously, that people didn't flock to go see this Ben Affleck, uh, Matt Damon, Ridley Scott movie with Adam Driver. But at the same time, like this might be. I, I kind of maybe they should have released it on, on VOD as well, like at the same time or after the first week where where it got like five million bucks. Maybe they should have just released it on, on to VOD to to get people to see this, because. I, the last comment is I do as I was watching this movie, I thought to myself. I'm glad like I, I can't remember the last movie that we said this where it was like it was a nice reprieve from all of the temple things that we were been we'd been watching that summer where it was like Marvel movie after Marvel movie or thing after thing after thing that we had kept up with for a few years. And this is just, no, this is just like a movie that I want to make on my own and it doesn't have any connecting IP and it doesn't have any, it's not, I'm not gonna have any sort of sequel or follow up. It is what it is. a standalone piece. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to make uh, a movie that, that I enjoy. And I really dug it for that reason, for those reasons. I mean, it will be on VOD soon enough. I mean, it would be on VOD soon enough anyway, but I mean, right. there's not, nothing really stopping it. But I mean, yeah, it, it's, it can be depressing to a point to be like, I can't believe audience can see this, but it's like, well, yeah, I know. I mean, medieval movies to begin with aren't generally a high sell, sure. especially yeah. especially now. <laughs> They're really not going to be a high sell, especially mm-hmm. for a two and a half hour R-rated movie about rape. Uh, that said, uh, something you pointed out, Abe, as far as um, it's really it's certainly certainly set in its period i agree with you um as far as the um you know the the depiction of of this time period reflects what would probably be you know accurate to this time period to the point of like it probably smells like, but right. I don't think enough, like enough people don't really think think about the yeah. idea that it probably really smelled back then, like all yeah. the time, like to you, the point that you're used to it. There's like a scene where they come back from battle and they're like hanging out, like Matt Damon and, and like a buddy of his, like, oh, that guy is Ben Affleck over there. And I was like, you know how gross and dank it probably feels in there right now? Like, that's the feeling that I got. And I'm just casually observing the movie. We saw a movie earlier this summer to The Green Knight 
where it's similarly, you know, medieval sword and uh, sword and shield type movie. But this one is just like, mm, yeah, I could feel like the lived in nature of this. Yeah. Um, with that with that in mind, what something I, you know, that comes out through the story for obvious reasons is how relevant and current the film is not in the kind of the you know the depiction it's you know it's, it's not trying to be and it's not trying to be anachronistic but but the the nature of this story obviously ties into things that are going on right now i mean really scott has essentially made a you know a hundred million dollar medieval knights movie about the me too movement um oh. which is <laughs> i mean it, it i'd say it's impressive but it's more like oh no he's just doing his job like he's just doing the thing that makes sense for this story which is obviously the point of the story it's to tell the story of this woman that's been wronged mm-hmm. and i mean it's so it's divided into three chapters, as you mentioned, right. as we pointed out, uh, where you, you first you service Damon's character, then driver's character, then Comer's character. Right. Um, it's hard to say, like, spoilers, because it's like, I mean, the, I, we don't necessarily need to get into every aspect of it. But I mean, there's, you know, there's there's the way the well, plot well, I guess goes, we could just say, like, like we, we both recommend watching it. Sure. But we're going to talk about it in detail now. Yeah. If you if you feel the need, you want to be more preserved then just stop listening, and come back later. Um, so with that in mind, the third chapter, yes, focuses on Jodie Comer's character, focuses on uh, on Marguerite. And, it, you know, it's very, it even, like, highlights, like, the truth in, like, when it says chapter three, like, it makes you aware, like, this is how it really happened. That's basically what the movie's trying to say. And it's, like, it, not only is it a great, it's, like, the word where Comer really gets to shine because it's her spotlight mm-hmm. section of the film. Um, but you, you know, at, at, if you didn't already know, like, how you know how men are uh how men can be especially during you know a time like this like this this section of the film really hits that home in a way where it challenges the nation the notion of like a knight's a knight being chivalrous like what that really means and i i i it worked it worked already just because it's well handled but i think having the the previous two acts that give you certain like depictions of these guys sure um and then going into the third one that gives you, you know, something that goes even more intense, especially in the case of the actual rape that occurs. Like it, it's. Well, it's, again, it, it occurs in Driver's vignette as well. It occurs in Driver's, but yeah, but the, I mean. Definitely more detailed and graphic. It's, and, and It's detailed and like it, you know, it, it certainly presents it in a way where not that there's any question about consensuality in the second one, although it's certainly right. It, it's it, yeah. you're seeing it in his eyes where he thinks it's playful and the movie's trying to reflect that to some degree. This one, it's not right. <laughs> in this third chapter. And it's like the, uh, I mentioned the kind of the, uh, the, the screenplay, how it has not Nicole Holof centers, uh, one of the co-writers on the film. She wrote this section of the film mm-hmm. uh, specifically um, following Jodie Comer's character while Affleck and Damon wrote the other, two sections of the film that said you know it's a collaborative process it's not a like lot it. of boston references in the first two vignettes yeah, that was yes. weird that was weird but it's a, a lot of dunkin donuts but it's a collaborative process obviously it's not like that she just like blindly wrote a third part of the movie and it's right. like yeah that works like clearly like they all had an idea of like how to do this thing together which i think is you you know it's interesting and unique um but it it, it it's so fascinating to me to see Ridley Scott being like, yeah, I, why would I not? And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise either. This is a guy that created, you know, responsible for Ripley and Alien and, you know, let alone Thelma and Louise, among other, you know, films he's had where you've had a lot of female representation, let alone showing who gets the, you know, who comes out on, the, on top in the end in some of his films. Mm-hmm. And all of that, I think, just reflects really well in a story like this that could play a certain way when you talk about, you know, knights in medieval movies. And yet this one has a whole other outlook on like how things could go. Yeah. And, and I want to dive a little bit deeper too in, into the, the screenplay, right? Because Matt Damon, Ben Affleck famously kind of friends with, uh, Miramax and played well with Miramax and, and, um, uh, Harvey Weinstein. And they kind of came out against Harvey during, that time and i think that this is also one of those things where it's like yes you know let's let's put our money where our mouth is like let's kind of speak more about this and sure COVID hit and this happened to be delayed for a year or something like that but you know everything that aaron said is still relevant because i think at the at the core of this this is also like a believe women type story right oh yeah and <laughs> that <laughs> like no. yeah and, and that's like the thing that really like um it irked me when they're having the trial and it it really made me like feel uncomfortable because i was like i 
yeah, I can't believe that they're asking these stupid fucking questions. All these like jurors or people that are supposed to be judicious um, and asking these questions about like, well, do you love your husband? And I was like, what, kind of, what relevancy does this have? It's like, if you loved your husband, then you wouldn't be doing this. And you know what? You'd get 20 lashes. It's like, and there's also all this like ridiculous nonsense pseudoscience of just like, you know, uh, you know that right, if you're right, pregnant, you're pregnant. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, oh, my God. And to know that this was based off of true accounts and probably how uh, things work, but also how, like, the patriarchy works. I'm just like, oh, facepalm. And, like, I, I feel so awful for all the things that women have to go through. So there is a level element of, yes, of course, like, a lot of things that are happening currently in today's times. But how Ben Affleck and Matt Damon probably really felt as though they needed to to show uh, a more like to use the term chivalrous cause in, in what they're trying to do. Cause um, you know, again, they were a part of that. They, it's not that they were a part of like the machine and they weren't like helping uh, Harvey Weinstein do whatever he was doing nefariously, just more of like, yeah, they probably wanted to distance themselves as well. Like very much so. So you can definitely feel that in what their overall, the product is, but I, I certainly wanted to go into like the themes of, or I'm sorry, into like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck um, specifically picking up the screenplay. Yeah, no, it's the connection is is pretty clear there, I think, as far right. as like we they wanted to collaborate again. And here is an opportunity to do something that reflects yes. the time as well as, you know, everything you said, uh, which, you know, good, good on them, I guess, good on <laughs> I mean, them. as far yeah. as, as, you know, as far as, a, you know, when you try to kind of have a. A reclamation of oneself as far as like what you've accomplished and what's you know gone into that or what have you this is an interesting way to kind of see that be hashed out you know in, in an actual feature you know you see directors do that a lot as far as you know work working out working through their own emotions about certain things in their work scorsese is a good example of that as far as how he tackles religion in various his various films um so you know the idea of like seeing these guys who are obviously you know at the you know midpoint of their lives like reflecting on things you know taking on writing a story such as this as well as trying to incorporate what they can both as far as you know themes of the film as well as who they work with on the film mm-hmm. uh, you know there's there's there could be you know and some have made this argument it's like well you have a man directing a movie written by you know two out of three men uh, talking about a woman it's like well i mean <laughs> for one thing how do you make it, Movies get made however they get made at this point. And, right. you know, it, 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 that's, that's, there's a whole conversation to be had about who gets to make, you know, certain things. But the fact is, this is what happened and, you know, the collaborations they chose to have as far as who they involved with the script. It it turned out what to, you know, to be what it is. And in my eyes and your eyes and, you know, many others, it's a well-reviewed movie. It turned out really well. Like, and it, it really it tackles, did. It tackles yeah. the themes that it's going after. I mean, it, it really does tackle these themes, and it also tackles. I mean, again, like it takes place in like the late 1300s, but everything that is, it's written in today's voice, so to speak, right? So, like, it travels, and you know, we we've seen films in the past as well that have not aged well at all. Um, mm-hmm. But the, um, but the themes still can be relevant to today, whether that is something like I don't know. The Godfather or something like that. I, it's the first movie that came to mind. I don't know if that's super relevant. But with all that being said, I think that there also is a level what we're sort of getting to now is there's a, there's a level of great mastery in this movie mm-hmm. in terms of all the technical aspects and whatever else. Ridley Scott is really good at these Sword and Shield movies. And again, he's really good at like an epic eye. There's a couple battle scenes in this. And then there's also a really well shot ending fight or the yeah, the, the duel. duel yeah, yeah. <laughs> the duel is incredible like it's just straight up incredible it delivers just, it very yeah, much delivers what, on being a yeah because you're wondering like well this is like a very slow methodical movie and again it actually moves very well the pacing is well done the editing is well done um so that you don't really feel as though it's like oh well it's dragging in this part it's like not really because you're learning new things along the way even though it's the same scene um or it's a different scene because the lady was never there with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's character. Or I'm sorry, uh, Adam Driver and Matt Damon's character. But yeah, Ridley Scott really has an eye for these things. So obviously, like when you're looking at the background and you're thinking, well, they didn't build a castle for this, but he probably did get all those extras 
and he probably did make it look very muddy. And you know what? It comes across on. I mean, on yeah, they they went screen. to like various places in France and whatnot to find medieval castles that exist. <laughs> they could right, film yeah. So I mean, it's. So I wouldn't be surprised by location scouting, but just more of like I don't think that they have like sixteen castles the way that they have it in here. It's got to be like some CG in there, and if, if there are sixteen castles, fantastic. Um, but yeah, there there's just a really good sense of high level movie making in the wrong hands from a movie making perspective. This doesn't work, right? Because uh, you're either shooting it for, let me shoot it for scope in terms of just like, oh, look how beautiful and sweeping this is. And there's also some dramatic thing going on. But this one is more of there's a lot of dramatic things going on. And I also want you to feel as though you don't really want to focus on anything else except for the people and how they're living, so to speak. So whether that is LaGru's character or I'm sorry, Carouge's character kind of having to like work and toil, be a servant to the king and just Again, feeling as though it's like dirty all the time. It's very well done. Talking about um, kind of how the story chooses this, you know, three act, this literal three act, three chapter structure. Right. Uh, you know, a key part of that is obviously the the Rashomon effect, where you're having different perspectives on the same people and seeing how they differ, what have you. Yeah. I um. I like how it can be subtle in those changes. Obviously, there's some distinguishing aspects that make them significantly different than others. But I mean, if if it was way too broad, if it was way too broad in showing how different like each person's perspective is, I think that would that would take you out of it because it'd just be ridiculous to see, you know, one chapter have someone acting one way and then acting like a completely different way. Correct. Yeah. I, I think Ridley Scott and, and the, you know, Damon Netflix and Hollop Center, like they're all smart enough to know, like, no, it's not about like making giant statements in each different one. It's about just showing the subtle differences and how that can affect somebody's interpretation of the truth, which I think is especially effective when it comes to Adam Driver's character. Um, I, I, Adam Driver is very good. Uh, I we've talked about him. But, I mean, he came to rise as we've been doing this podcast. So it's very clear to me that he's very good because I keep seeing him being good in things. So I mean, he's going to be in another Ridley Scott movie. Yeah, he's got a second Ridley Scott movie this year coming out in a few weeks. So seeing him here, I really like how both he and the way the camera shoots him finds a way to make him do basically the same thing where at one point it can seem charming and at another point it can seem sinister. I don't think that's an easy thing to pull off, um, and, I, and I think that's accomplished very well here as far as getting to understand Jacques' character, where he's this guy who's known as a womanizer. He's more popular than Matt Damon's character, and so he's more well-liked by people. At the same time, though, the the way he takes advantage of people, specifically women, obviously that's going to reflect differently in his mind versus how we see it reflect in Marguerite's mind. Yeah. And, I mean, that it just it opens the door to like all these performances, how they're different. But I do think that's and I don't think I don't think Adam Driver is necessarily better than anybody else. This movie. I think they're all pretty superb in what they're doing. But it's it's just it's something given that he can, you know, he's essentially the villain of the piece, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's interesting to see, like, how his perspective can show him being one way when you can easily read it another way elsewhere. Yeah, I, I also so I want to remark on uh, what you just mentioned around um, the Rashomon effect. I mean, Rashomon is is uh, cool because the story plays out with you viewing their their plot lines or their points of view, mm-hmm. and this was actually the same point of view. It's like this: n- nothing is different from the facts, or I'm sorry, like nothing is different from these vignettes. Like subtle differences are different, but. It's not as though, like, when Jodie Comer in the first vignette, she says, like, hey, thanks for coming back from, like, your trip to uh, Paris. I've been raped. It's not as though the other vignettes don't question her. You know what I mean? Like, it's all the same narrative. It's just that it's from different points of view, which I find very fascinating. Because I think you mentioned this, like, it's hard to do that. Like, it's very cool and curious to do that. But it's hard to do that because how do you keep it in an audience's attention? And that's where you come into play with all the subtle techniques of a kiss being a peck in the first vignette. And then Adam Driver being too aggressive in his vignette and maybe even more aggressive in like or maybe a, a mutual aggressiveness in, in like one of the other vignettes. Right. 
Um, but to your point, I, I think that Adam Driver, I, I actually, because we're, we're given Matt Damon, which is uh, Jean de Carouge's vignette in the first one, in the first act. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure like what Driver was all about because it seems as though it's like, oh, well, Matt Damon is a great warrior and it seems as though Adam Driver is like a good friend, but he's very like quiet and he he's he just seems to like be in the right place at the right time because he seems to be in good favors and he <clears> gets a little lot of land. And then you see the second vignette and like this guy's a fucking slime ball. And then the third vignette again just like lays it out even thicker. It's like your reputation gets precedes you, sir. You are not a good person. You are a philanderer and also like an adulterer. Um, and yeah, I mean, I loved all their performances. Uh, you know, Damon Driver, Comer, and even Ben Affleck, who has sort of like a limited role, but it's oh, we'll, such we'll a talk ben about Affleck Aff- role. We'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about Affleck. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. But as far as like Driver goes, Driver is one of the best actors working. And you know, I I thought that this this performance harkened back to. What he had to do for you mentioned earlier, a Scorsese picture for Silence, um, just the way that they are in a time period. He's got to have a certain way about him. And yeah, Driver is fantastic, man. Like I went to Juilliard, so there's like, you know, there's no uh, shortage of what he can produce. Um, sometimes like I thought he was like he, he, he actually I thought as though he matched Comer or and and Damon. Sometimes when he was with Ben Affleck, I was like, he's blowing the shoes off Ben Affleck right now. But we'll get to it, Affleck. Uh, Damon is great in here. Uh, he what he does well is he let he's really happy to let himself play a fool. basically. A sad let, sack. Yes. yes. And, and and let other actors kind of walk over him. Not necessarily right. walk over, but he's yeah. just he's just a good scene partner. He's the kind of guy that he's not trying to hog the spotlight. Right. Uh, even when he has showier moments, he's not the person that generally you know t- hog, you know sucks up the the atmosphere in the room that's right. why the martian is such a unique performance for him because he's alone um so he can because he's a guy that can make it look easy so yeah. doing something like the martian it's like yeah all right i'm naturally yeah, charismatic it's like, it's, exactly. yeah yeah like i i have this about me and since nobody else is here to challenge me i can just do my own thing for most of the movie which is why he got nominated for best actor <laughs> so it's but but here he's very much you know not as a second fiddle, but he's certainly, you know, a part of an ensemble, but he still, he knows how to, you know, apply certain kinds of energies to certain, certain scenes. And what I really like here is that he's a big fussy baby. <laughs> like that's his role right. in this movie. Yeah. And well, he, and um, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's not wrong as far as, what he's going after he's just wrong and how he's doing it he's but he's basically like he's the least he's the least bad of the of him and affleck and driver essentially but he's still a dick like he's the kind of guy that nobody likes this guy (laughs) like (laughs) nobody really likes gene like his whole thing is like he wants to match up to his father he wants to get the you know wants to be knighted he wants to have the you know the uh he wants to have the the laurels that come with being a knight and having right. the respect and having the land and he gets undermined and he sues everybody like because he's yeah. a, he's because nobody likes him like nobody nobody wants to hang around this guy and i like how that comes out more and more the in the, in the preceding chapters <laughs> yeah. he just it's yeah. like as much as drivers like an awful person and as much as Affleck is basically like a prankster in charge like it's like david's like well he's not coming off right here either even his reasons for like suing on behalf of his wife is mainly for him uh because his honor was besmirched for this and he wants to get credit for this like it's like it's it's really to see the film like you know by the time we get to that third chapter it's like yeah, Comer's the only good person in this movie. <laughs> like, that's the one that really matters in all of this. Yeah. The, the other thing is also, like, um, because we're, we're given Matt Damon, Jean de Carouge's vignette first, you kind of are like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, like, this guy's been wronged in so many places because uh, he's just he's just a humble servant to the king. And you know what? He's a great warrior, a humble servant. You know, he came from nothing, and his, his parents worked hard. He's a, he's a good family man. He loves his mom and his dad. He'll, he'll come at a moment's notice. If there's a if there's like an illness or something and later you're just like like what Aaron you mentioned, he's just a fucking baby. Like I, I love the scene where he's going to go into battle in Scotland and they're knighting everybody and he gets his knighthood and he's like, quiet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he gets that's, his that, like, knighthood 
he stands up and nobody applauds him versus that's, like that's the previous guy. Special. Everyone's like, yeah. And then he's just like, he kind of just like looks sheepishly around and just like, I, I guess that was, I, I don't, I guess I'm not that cool. That that's him in a, that's him in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Just, but insi- you're, insisting like, on how everyone should be and then not getting anything back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that, that it makes it more like pronounced is, they do paint him more foolish in Adam Driver Legree's Le vignette. Oh yeah, easily. Um, and then in his wife's vignette, he's actually more controlling. He's kind of a mean he's, guy. He's, to yeah, he's aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, and like, well, is he a good husband? Probably, but he's also not as refined as what he thinks that he is in his well, vignette. A, a, a good husband. I mean, for that time period, it's it's, it's he's acting how a husband would act is he a good husband i mean no he's a controlling dick I mean, sure yeah I, yeah i would and, say that he's and his wife is husband, his wife is more property to him than he is than she is like yeah. you know a true love <laughs> sure sure yeah. and, and i also want to point out that this is some, something we mentioned in the dune review um this is a great movie of show don't tell because that's exactly what happens like it's not as though we're given backstory on uh Carugia's character and like oh he grew up in in poverty and his parents worked hard and you know his dad became like the the captainship of of this piece of land um it's like no you learn that through the the things that he has to go through in terms of marriage what he says in these marriages how rude he is at times etc cetera, etc cetera. and this is not just for Matt Damon's character but also Adam Driver and also Jodie Comer's character as well as Ben Affleck's Ben Affleck's character is probably the same throughout all of it but you know Jodie Comer's character which I'm sure we'll get to uh, shortly is um she's got some great lines that she does um with Ben Affleck or, I'm sorry Matt Damon um when they're dancing uh when when they're sort of patching things up and like these things matter right they matter to the story and they matter to how you are viewing these um these parallel vignettes but yeah i found matt damon's character and his acting i i loved i love when actors can be as ridiculous as they want to be because the script calls for it and there's like a scene in here where he has to like chew scenery um two scenes probably but one of them is my favorite where he's like call me sir (laughs) and then he gets on his horse in a fumbling manner and it's sad but then there's another one where he really gets to like shout and i'm like this is why people get into acting so uh as far as comer i mean we already talked about comer a bit here but but, i mean she's fantastic she's she's the heart of the film obviously i mean and and her time to shine comes up you know in the third act for sure and you know as much as we talked about damon being controlling she does get like a she get she gets to browbeat him at one point which is kind of wonderful as far as just really taking him to task on letting him know like she's aware that he does not have any regard for her and like and, and you know he needs to do his part to like speak up for her but you've you've clearly like chosen to do this only for yourself and it's just like yeah you know, among the things that she has to do to kind of like you know carry her section of the film it, it's just it's it's strong work it really is yeah and again she probably has like the most um I guess the most dramatic range that she has to go through because you're right. She's got to play like the lady of the house and lady of the manor kind of thing. But then also she's got to convey to the audience that, Hey man, this isn't about you. Like it's actually about me, but you're just a stubborn asshole and you have too much pride and vanity to see that you should have just stuck with your wife and believed me and realize the consequences before you decided to like, you know, do whatever you might need to do. But I, I think that she was fantastic. Like MVP of the movie in terms of acting. You're right that they're all pretty much on the same caliber, but she has to do so much more because most of the things happen to her. You know what I mean? Like it sort of is sort of that revolves around her. But I thought that she was fantastic. So Ben Affleck is great in this movie. He is hilarious. He, uh, that's, that's that's my take on Ben Affleck. <laughs> I was like, I think he's just being Ben Affleck and or playing like you know, one of his characters that he's played before, but Ben Affleck, blonde goatee, blonde hair, fucking has orgies and parties, doesn't know how to do math, so he asks Adam Driver to do math for him. 
and just be a Ben Affleck. This is like, pretty disrespectful to Ben Affleck. Like, I don't know the guy. Like, what I know is he's a two-time Oscar winner that wrote this screenplay. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I know about Ben Affleck. I mean, he went for Best Picture or Best Director? He wasn't nominated for Best Director. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, he, he, he got yes. the Best Picture. He got the Best Picture Oscar along with his, yeah, you know, that's other, a, that's a along with his other writing Oscar. Um, but, but um, I mean, regard like, He's just funny here. This is the funniest he's been in a long time. Like, and he's he's, he's crushing this role as playing this just this kind of carefree. What is he? Not a duke. What, he's what is this? Basically, title? like a um a count. He's a count. He's playing yeah, this, this kind of carefree like count that does all the cousin of the king that does all the, like the money work for him, but also just gets to kind of live in luxury. And he's so funny. Like, and, and all the like. Basically, it, it, like if anything, it feels like he wanted this role just to like take down his buddy Matt Damon whenever he had the chance to. Like, exactly, a, I felt that like, way too. Like like, there's, like, a, there's a point earlier in the film where, where like everyone's like kneeling before the count and like kissing the ring or whatever, and Damon kneels down and he's like, "Get closer, like, <laughs> you're too far away." <laughs> it's just. I bet like, you the B roll has a lot of great stuff. I'm sure, but the and the I can't wait for the blooper reel. But the uh, yeah, that that second part because it's all focused on Driver, who's basically best friends of Affleck's kid with 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 Count Pierre. Oh, yeah, he chummies uh, up or chums up. Like close. he just he just it's just his time to shine. And yes, he has this ridiculous. I mean, they all it's like only Driver has like like romance novel hair. In this movie, Damon has a mullet. I mean, like Ben Affleck. Has, He's wearing yes, a helmet all the time. Yeah. <laughs> The Affleck has this, yeah, he has this blonde hair and goatee, and he looks, I mean, they all look ridiculous. Like, that's part of the point. Like, I mean, it, th- th- that should be obvious, right? That's, that's clearly part of these, this film, too. Like, the, not only are men terrible, but they look ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's like it's very much making a point. Well, yeah, you saw the part where the they go to, like, the dress, yeah, exactly, the dressmaker part, where it's like, it's just, he's using guys as, like, models to, like, make these dresses. So, yeah, I think there's, like, something there. But I, for the Ben Affleck, maybe he's not Ben Affleck, but he certainly reminds me of, like, Chucky from Good Will Hunting, where it's just like, yeah, okay, I could see it. Like, you're really hamming it up here. Um, like, you kind of think you're a smart guy, but you're kind of not. Um, you can be when you're really thinking about things because he can be kind of cunning when he's trying to develop a plan with Adam Driver. But yeah, I Ben Affleck just he seemed as though he was having a good time. I, I felt as though maybe Matt Damon didn't have a great time, like not as though he had a great time, but like he didn't really get a chance to like cut loose like the way Ben Affleck and Adam. Well, Driver yeah, because Affleck's character, his the point of his character <laughs> is to serve some levity in a film that's he's, you know otherwise very dark. I mean, yeah. it's, if you don't have him. The movie has like nothing to offer you besides its grittiness. So it's like right. it's it, it helps put a certain kind of face on this thing as a whole, which is yeah, which is useful. It's not overdone, but it you know not at all. I mean Affleck and the the he's a playboy, but that child king, those two made me laugh and the audience laugh pretty hard. So. Yeah, the child the child king's also ridiculous in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> But it's yeah. but it also like it matches what I think the expectation would be of this time period, right? Where you have like because of the the you know the laws or what and and yeah, legacies and what have they in place is like yeah he's the king that's how old he is it doesn't matter that's that's who's next exactly in the yeah he's the next in the line and he's like this king and he's ridiculous and yeah there's like subtle things again there's a lot of subtlety in here but I love the part where they're actually at the duel and the king puts his hand out for his queen and she just denies it and he's like okay <laughs> but it's very low at the bottom of the screen if you don't pay attention you can't see it so it's pretty funny but yeah affleck i mean affleck like we've long since established that affleck is he's a pretty good actor you've seen his work uh he tries to take things seriously um especially I now think- in this kind of like post mid-2000s point of his career he's he's when he comes around, I look forward to seeing him in things like, I, yeah, I, 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 I would yeah. say like, you know, gone girl onward, gone, gone girl. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, when he started picking up his directorial stuff, I mean, he's been putting in the work. I mean, yeah, I mean, he learned from Fincher. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's not, but yeah, there, there's a funness to Affleck's character. And I think that there really is this, um, it just really feels as if there's like this Boston Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, let me like bark you off the screen kind of thing. And it was it was kind of hard to separate that sometimes. 
of them being in this 1300 or 1380s France um, and kind of just being like, they're probably going to go for a Dunkin' Donuts fris- uh, fritter later. So, yeah. You're really in on this Boston thing. With these guys. I, I just <laughs> couldn't stop seeing it because I just think about them and really associate them with Boston. And I just think, you know, they probably it, it just kind of makes me laugh sometimes. But they both turn in good performances. Any other thoughts on the last duel? Just talking about this. I think that for everything we mentioned here, um, I didn't notice the score until very late. I think it might have been like the third act. So I kind of want to ask, like, did you was there a score that you heard? Because I only heard it when Comer is talking to Matt Damon, and Matt Damon's like, I I will go to the king for you kind of thing. It's like, oh, I think this might be the first time that I heard any sort of score. Well, I mean, there's score throughout this thing. It's Harry Gregson oh. Williams. He tends to be pretty aggressive with things. I mean, it's I I mean, it's I I would say it's not a score that's trying to like make itself very well known. Like it, it doesn't. It's not like about like key themes and sweeping music moments because it's not no, a romantic. No, it's, it's not a romantic. It's not a romantic movie. So it's yeah. not really trying to you know throw you in with certain things. I, but it, I mean, it's there. It's there on the bat. I mean, it's a score. Like there's a score throughout yeah, this film. I guess I, I guess I was just like, oh, I guess first time I'm really paying attention to the score. But I mean, aside from everything we've talked about in terms of its uh, thoughts on on what's happening uh, today with um, whether that is a uh, a Senate Judiciary hearing uh, against um, you know a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, or everything that's happening with you know, what Aaron mentioned, like the Me Too movement. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say zeitgeist, because it's not zeitgeist, but there's a lot of cultural relevancy to today. Yeah. Right. And again, it's kind of backed by very strong performances, but beyond that, it's backed by a very competent movie. And therefore, it's actually, just like holistically, a really good piece of art. I uh, agree. I, I look forward to seeing if Ridley Scott has the same energy ready to go for House of Gucci um, in the month to come, which looks even more ridiculous as far as getting big performances out of a, a all-star cast. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, and Jared Leto and a lot of prosthetics. Yeah, but uh, I mean, there, Ridley Scott in this kind of zone, I'm all for it. And he delivers in this one for sure. I, I mean, it's it's not only... A, you know, a medieval epic, but it's one that very much has today's, you know, uh, themes on its mind. And I think that that can go a long way. And I think it, it's a it's a neat addition to his filmography that's addressed certain kinds of themes like this before in, in different sort of ways. And it's just all of this here just is just good stuff. It's just I feel like I'm sp- I get spoiled with Ridley Scott, where it's like mm-hmm. he doesn't have to make all these movies, but he does, and they're you know consistently very good. Wait, did you direct <laughs> the Covenant movies too, or just write and produce? What the Alien movies? Yeah, Covenant yeah. and um, yeah, Prometheus and the Covenant. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. He, he, produ- he did produce 2049. Got do, it. Okay. Yeah, because you had Villanova on there. But um, question for you. Uh, where does this rank in your in your Ridley Scott filmography of Sword and Shield movies? That's a fun question, and a good thing I recently ranked all of Ridley Scott's. Did films you really? On okay, the I didn't know this, <laughs> yes, because you know that, it makes you know it a lot easier for me to keep track. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, Kingdom of Heaven is my favorite. Um, Yes, I feel like I, you know, saying the director's cut is unnecessary. It's like if you if if I'm saying Kingdom of Heaven is my favorite Ridley Scott movies, yes, it's the directors of the director's cut. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's one of my favorites in general for him anyway. Like, be you know, if you take out Alien and Blade Runner, that's my favorite Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> so, um, you have that. Then you have The Duelists, his first film, um, which is great. Uh, and fittingly, he made The Duelist, and now he made his last duel. Um. I mean, it's right there. I mean, because like I, I like Gladiator. I'm not huge on it, but like I've seen it. A pl- I've seen it plenty. Um, but it's like I have them ranked right next to each other currently, and I've only yeah. seen the last duel once so far. But it's like is last duel the better movie? Might be between that and Gladiator or the and, or Duelist and, and, and Gladiator. Like okay. I, like Kingdom of Heaven's third, Duelist is nine, Gladiator's eleven, Last Duel is twelve for me. Robin Hood's after that. Robin Hood's it's a movie. Um, 
and is that's Russell Crowe Robin Hood or Russell is Crow, it Russell Crowe Robin Hood? What and, is the uh, one with uh, our friend from the BMW movies? Clive Owen. That's King Arthur. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's like Gladiator has a lot of great things in it. I just it being a best picture winner can just always boggles my mind. To me. It's like it's that's not a best picture movie. That's, a, was, that's a summer. What was the summer in that year? In, in 2000, Crouching Tiger, Crouching Tiger, Traffic. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, Chocola was nominated for some reason, also, and then um, great poster. That in the bedroom year? No, it's not. What's two thousand? This is it the two thousand two Oscars. Thousand Oscars. Oh, two thousand Oscars. Okay. Uh, what's, the, um, what's the next one? Uh, yeah. Second. Yeah, we're pulling it up here. Aaron Brockovich. That's of course. He's got Soderbergh's that too. Aaron Brockovich is the other one. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Chocolate Crusher Tiger. Aaron Brockovich. Traffic and Gladiator. Yeah. I mean, its rewatchability is quite high. But oh, it is for sure. But I, like Crou- Crouching Tiger is a perfect movie, and Steven Soderbergh won Best Director for Traffic. It's just like yeah. What? Uh, well, I was gonna say like you know the the movies that have aged probably the best are Crouching Tiger or Traffic, right? Sure. Um, and again, like oof, yeah. I I love when we go back and revisit Oscar stuff like we we did last year. But um, in any case, yeah. I mean, I, 2000s like Almost Famous came out that year. Like there's plenty of other options tough. you can have. That's tough. yeah. Almost Famous <laughs> is an excellent movie. Um, so uh, yeah. So basically, this is uh, this is higher for you in in the Ridley Scott filmography. It really said, yeah, it's in the upper half. I mean, it's okay. and it, he's made 26 movies, so it's yeah, it's right, it's in the upper half. Yeah. It's it's bordering on the top 10. I've only seen it the once, so it's like it maybe who knows it could it could pop up higher someday. I, I don't know, but yeah. um, but no, I, I like it plenty. Like it, you know, it's like it's a really good movie. <laughs> like and just like good like top form really Scott as far as like what the kind of thing he's capable of for this kind of really thing. is yeah. and again like that that sequence at the end there does not hold anything back especially even the aftermath of it too does not hold anything back so you do get a sense of yeah this guy is like top of his game cares about it made it for being like 82 83 yeah fantastic I need to live my life more courageously like like Sir Ridley Scott is he a sir yeah you do uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for the uh, um, you know, vote of confidence i'm saying you do that means you you, you can do it abe how about oh, that does that help okay. <laughs> 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 that reminds me of one of my favorite simpsons jokes uh only who can prevent your forest fires you selected you which Referring means me me the correct <laughs> answer is you you <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> okay, this has been our out now nights episode, uh, cover covering the last duel. Yeah, let us know your we, thoughts. Yeah, or if you just do. felt as though this goofy energy was stuff that you dig. Yeah, we like doing these nights episodes. We just don't get around to them all that time. But uh, that is gonna do it for this one. So we'll, we'll be back. We'll, we'll, there's plenty of stuff coming. See you guys <laughs> See you uh, in an hour, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Good night. Yeah.